Hallelujah, Jesus. Um, you know, there's, I've said it before, but I think it is important to say it again that uh, there's something God is doing here in this in this church that is just um, in my in my feelings in my heart I, I feel that it's just a God thing. I feel it's a God thing. Um, and of course the 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 human element you know, maybe looks and says, okay, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but we want to see this happen and we want to see that happen. And that's so true. And that's, of course, where we're, where we're going and where we're headed. But, you know, what I'm, what I'm just feeling is that if we will stay focused, I'm just going to make a few preliminary remarks and then we'll get into the lesson. But if we will just stay focused on the move of his spirit. It's going to build and it's going to build and it's going to build. If you will stop looking in the external realm and looking at the tangibles. Tangibles can be deceiving. Right? 25,000 people need to eat and there's only five loaves and two fish. The, the tangibles, the externals would say, wow, you know, we're we're in trouble. God doesn't think of things that way. All, all that's needed is put that in God's hand. When the bread is in God's hand, it multiplies. Right? So if we're going to do it our way, that means we got to go to the to go to town and we got to buy all the bread to feed twenty five thousand. It's impossible, it's not gonna happen. The task that lies before us is impossible in our ability. But in the hands of God, right? There's miraculous power there. So the key is let's not go back to what we know or what we're comfortable with. Let's stay in the risky area of the supernatural. Because in that place, that's, that's the miraculous. And, and that's the hand of God. And when you're in the hand of God, God can take what little we have. And, and multiply. That's where multiplication is, is in the supernatural. So my encouragement, as this is my last night with you, my encouragement is to stay in the flow of what God's doing, whether you understand it or not, and just follow it and follow it and let it build and let it build and let it build until finally God is moving so strongly that all the results that we want and, and pray for will in fact happen. Too many times churches go for the results and might maybe get close, but it doesn't last because it's not a God thing. What I'm saying is let's go for the God thing. Let's stay in the move because when it happens, it's going to be exponential. It's going to explode. Right? All right, well, enough of that. But I, I'm telling you, hear what I'm telling you. So these services you've been having and you feel that river of the Holy Ghost like we did on Sunday, and we kind of feel like, hey, wait a minute, why isn't there this happening? And hey, we need to 
a message here because you know it's the appropriate time. We had three songs. Let's have a message. No, 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 no. Let's move with God. And, and I'm believing for the day, and this is the last thing I say, I'm believing that where God wants to take us is this realm, is this dimension right here. The Bible says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. Which means this, it's, it's, they weren't laying hands on anybody. It was such a God thing. You know, people in, the, in this can fight methods. But when somebody starts receiving the Holy Ghost in the back and nobody's even touching them, what do you say about that? How can you argue with that? Right? Amen. We're going to the book of Genesis chapter 4. Amen. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. Genesis meaning beginnings. And we're going to talk about something that began a long time ago, and it's still prevalent today. Matter of fact, even more so probably today. Genesis chapter four, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna read a little bit here. But because you've been standing so long, I'd like you to be seated, and we'll read as you're seated. I know that you're tired and you've worked all day. says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. This is Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had not, no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? This is the English Standard Version. Uh, New King James or King James probably would say, Why is your countenance fallen? This is not really saying like his face fell. Like it fell off or something. It just means his, his his expression is one where he is cast down and bothered. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother, brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who find him should attack him, 
Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Uh, what we see here is something called the religion of Cain. Cain developed his own religion. Let's talk about what his religion consisted of. It consisted of four elements. Um, another way, another name for this religion would be Sinatra religion. For those of you that don't know who Frank Sinatra is, he is popular for singing a song called My Way. And uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. Number one, as we notice in this story, uh, Cain's sacrifice was rejected. Now, as a younger man, when I read this story, I had problems with it, and it bothered me because I wondered, God, why would you do that? Why would you reject Cain's sacrifice? I mean, he is giving of the fruit of the ground of his labor, and he's sacrificing it to you. Why would you do that? And as you understand the context here, and you understand what happened before this happened, it makes perfect sense. Now, last week, for those of you that were here, we discussed the covenant relationship that God had with man when Adam and Eve sinned, the first killing in Scripture was brought about by God. Now, the first murder is right here. Cain has just killed his brother. But the first killing, the first life taken in Scripture was God killing the animal, taking the skin of the animal, the Bible says, and covering Adam and Eve. The first blood sacrifice was instituted by God, the shedding of blood, and by the shedding of blood and the covering of Adam and Eve, God's divine justice was satisfied, and so Adam and Eve did not have to die, but the animal, the innocent animal, died in his place, which was a type and a shadow of one to come that would be innocent, one that knew no sin, and when his blood was shed, he uh, sacrificed his life for you and I, and of course, as he physically, literally covered Adam and Eve, how are we covered with Christ? The Bible says in Galatians, buried with him in baptism. The Bible says, uh, you're all sons of God through faith, um, but as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have been clothed with Christ. So when you're baptized, you're literally clothed with Jesus. So when he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He's reminded of the cross. And everything's taken care of. So baptism is, is very important. So it's covenant relationship. So at that moment, Adam and Eve understood the shedding of blood. What took place? The sacrifice for sin. And when it came time to worship, it was also understood that this is what you do when you sacrifice or worship God. You do this by the shedding of blood. How do we know that? Because Abel did it. And his sacrifice was accepted. And of course, this was passed down from their parents. Cain decided to do his own thing. Well, I know what God wants. I know God wants a blood sacrifice. And again, how did he know that? He knew that because I was passed from his parents. And his brother did it and was accepted. He wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to create his own way of worship. If we are ever living in a time... In a postmodern world, moral, relative, moral relativistic society that says, hey, don't tell me that. Don't give me an absolute. That might be your truth. That's not my truth. Your truth is you believe in this and you believe in that. Great. Let's keep it there. 
my truth is this. You're dealing with that, especially you guys over here. You're dealing with that. And so the tendency in high school and now even at a young age is to go, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, how can I judge? That's so wrong. I'm not supposed to judge anybody. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says, ye that are spiritual, or he that is spiritual, judgeth all things. Now, judging in the sense of, I look at you and you're dressed a particular way, so I'm going to lift my nose at you and distance myself, that's the kind of judging that's not acceptable. But judging whether or not something is truth or not is acceptable because it's in the Word of God. You've got to know this. You've got to know this, people. Because what you will be tempted to do is hear someone at the job say, well, that's not what I believe. Folks, I have dealt with Christian people on the phone that have said to me things that would blow your mind. And when I showed, I said, in the Scripture, wait a minute, that's not right. Look what the Bible says. It, it's, it's, this is what Scripture teaches. I was, I was, they responded to me with, well, I just don't believe that. And that little terminology has been accepted as a way to just disregard Scripture. Either the Bible is the Word of God or it isn't. Either this is the, the book that he, the Bible says he's going to, we're going to be judged by the Word. The Bible says, the Bible calls, uh, Paul says this, uh, when, when teaching in Timothy, he says, these are the Holy Scriptures. You, from an infant, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation. Um, and, and he says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness. He's basically calling the Word of God an instruction manual. You try going to Target and buying something there, furniture, that needs to be assembled, and then get home and have no instructions and no little tools in there. You know what you're going to do? Well, you know, I think I can jimmy rig this. I think I can kind of pop this here and let's let's turn this here and yeah. And you know what we do? We we put it together and it's rickety and it's not done the right way and then you have an accident. And you know what people are doing with their lives? They're trying to jimmy rig their lives without any instructions. And somehow, well, you know, I'll just figure it out as I go. But Paul said, no, 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 no. You, you get into the scripture because in these scriptures is the instructions for righteousness. I don't need to jimmy rig my life. I don't need to take a guess. If I get in the word, it's clear what I'm to do and what I'm not to do. And, and, and I'm telling you, we're dealing in, in, a, in a time and a generation where if you make any absolute statements, you're judgmental. But of course, they in turn can do the same thing and we're supposed to be tolerant. It's hypocrisy in its highest form. And so if, if you say anything, no, I don't believe that. Well, that's not what the Bible says. <gasps> you're being judgmental. But they're doing the same exact thing to you. You're just allowing that to suck your brain and, and deceive, you're getting deceived to believe you're the, you're the aggressor. Well, well, here's what happened. Cain said, Cain said this. Here's the first element to Cain's religion, okay? I will worship God my own way rather than according to God's word. I know what the Bible says. I know what church teaches. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I don't want to do it that way. Can I tell you something? That's what it really gets down to sin and all that kind of stuff, 
It's the essence of sin. When I ask people, I say, the first thing you think of, when I say sin, matter of fact, when I'm teaching a, a life study, I'm sitting there mostly in a coffee shop, and I'm like, okay, close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Empty your brain. And when I say this word, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. So they do it. I go, sin, adultery, sin, murder, sin, stealing. That's, that's what we think of. But sin, those are the results of sin. But before, nobody just ever accidentally trips. Oops, I murdered somebody. Oops, I fell in that bed. I don't know how. I, how did I get here? Oh, my God. It's amazing. I was translated from my house into that bedroom. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. Okay? The fact is, is that sin, those are the results of sin. But before that ever happened, someone made a conscious decision. Someone said, I know what the law says, but I'm going to take that person's life because I'm so angry with them that I'm going to get them back. Yeah, I know it's, I know, I know, I know all that, but I know it's wrong to be with someone else's husband or wife, but you know what? I just got this passion inside. Oh yeah. Uh huh. I know what the Bible says, but. What do we do? We're justifying. We're doing what Cain did. I know what God wants but I'm going to do it my own way, right? I'm going to worship God and do the God thing my own way. If we're ever living in a time where people are saying, I'm going to do it my way, it's right now. The second thing that happens is he gets mad. He gets mad when his way is called inferior and insufficient. That's what happens. Read the story. He gets done sacrificing. God accepts Abel's. God rejects Cain, and he gets really mad. Have you? Do you guys remember when you were a kid? Well, at least I do, because I got in trouble so much. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how I'm alive and behind this pulpit right now. But I got in trouble so much in my life. I think before the age of five, I had the cops call to me twice. I mean. I, I spray painted a whole apartment complex black, the back side of it. I mean, unbelievable stuff. I don't know what I was, I don't even remember that person. But the point is, is, <clears throat> is that when my dad would say, Simeon, don't do that. If you touch that, this will happen to you. I will beat you. I will spank you. I will ground you. And what did I do? I would do it. And when I would get smacked, what's what happens? I get angry. And, it, and, and the dad, my dad is like, Simeon, why are you angry? I just told you if you do that, that's going to happen. And you're mad at me. And God is looking at Cain saying, I told you, you knew and why are you angry with me when I asked you to do it this way? I mean, it's so simple. Can I tell you something? For those of you that are visiting, for those of you that, that you're new to a relationship with God, can I just tell you this right off the bat? I want to just ease your brain. Here in the scripture, the way to have eternal life is so easy. 
the steps to enter into that eternal life, it's so easy. It's simple. But we, we make it complicated because we want to do it our way. And, and of course, he gets mad when his way is called inferior and insufficient. I knew what you wanted, but I wanted to do it my way, and I'm mad that you didn't accept it the way I did it. And when you get in a conversation with somebody, and they've been living whatever religious life they're living, and then you share with them and say, well, no, the Bible says that, you know, Jesus said at least, this was his claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means outside of me, he didn't say I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. It's, it's all pretty much exclusive. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That means outside of me, there's no way, there's no truth, there's no life. But in our culture, it's like, you can't say that. God is the hub. And all the religions are the spokes. And it doesn't matter how you go about it, you're going to get to God. All paths lead to Rome. Jesus said no. And that's the uniqueness of Jesus versus any other religion. You study it out. It's a uniqueness. He basically lays exclusive claims to God, who he is. And he says, outside of me, there is no salvation. I'm it. Period. And then when you tell somebody that, what do they do? They get mad. They get angry. Why? Because, because they don't want to hear you tell them that their way is inferior and insufficient. Well, they like their little prayers and they like their little, you know, little stuff that they're doing and whatever doctrine they're following because it makes them feel good. We're living with that. Third thing is he attacks the one that's doing it God's way. What does he do? He gets mad when his way is not accepted. What does he do? He kills his brother. Kills the one that is doing it God's way. Folks, are we not dealing with that as Christians in this America? It is as though the culture is screaming at the... At, hey, you, you know, and I'm not trying to be offensive here. Please, do not be offended. But when you say any other name of any other God in any other religion, it's okay. Soon as you say Jesus, you're not being tolerant, you're being judgmental. Just the truth. And you know what? He killed his brother, snuffed his life out. Now, prophetically, we're going to go through some serious persecution before this thing's over. And if we're not strong and know who we are and know the Jesus that we serve, many of us are going to just give in. But here's the deal. You either believe and know what you know and you're willing to stand for what you know, or you're just going to be cast with every wind of doctrine. Because I want to kind of fit in and make everybody feel good. And hey, you're cool. And I, Because we all want to be like. Can I tell you the world is really looking for somebody to take a stand? Because all that stuff, they see that all they see that all around them. They're, they might they might look at you and they might come across like that's what they really want, but deep inside their heart, you know what they're looking for? Somebody to say, "No, this is the truth. This is the way."
they're looking at, they're testing you. They're, they're pushing your buttons to see, does she really believe what she says she believes? Does he really believe what he says he believes? Because I'm searching and I'm hurting and I'm not going to follow somebody that's going to lead me down another dark road that led to nowhere. I tried that. I read that book. I went to that place and nothing has really met the need. And then we got wishy-washy Christians. You better get solid in God. You better get into a relationship in prayer and his word and get into God and say, God, I want to know you. Because if you ever really come into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, you're not going to want to go anywhere. You know that He's the real deal and there is nobody outside of Him. I'm telling you, there's nobody else. Because when you feel His presence, when you see Him, when He makes a way out of no way, when He opens the Red Sea and brings you to the other side, why would you want to go any other place? Why would you want to go anywhere else? There's nobody like Jesus. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, there's nobody like Jesus. Nobody else that can heal the sick and raise the dead and open blinded eyes and say, Lazarus, get on up out of that tomb. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody else would lay down his life for you. Buddha didn't do that. Confucius didn't do that. Nobody else did that. Holy Jesus said, I love you so much that I'll lay down my life for you and take your place. That's love. That's where I want to be is in the arms of love. You better make up your mind. And say, I'm standing with the man that gave his all. Who else in what other faith died for all humanity? What other, what other religious leader laid down his life and said, here I am for the whole world. I'll give my life. I'll lay it down. Who else? And the Bible teaches, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever things I ask or command you. You want to know who your real friends are? Get you, get you and that friend with a gun pointed at both of you. And let's see who your real friends are. Those people you think are your friends would not take a bullet for you. Would not lay down their life for you. There's only one that when you ever question and you ever wonder, does he really care? I said it last week and I'll say it again. Look at the cross and remember, he said, I'm all in. I'm all in. And how do they attack us now? Of course, I'm not, you know, obviously we haven't reached the place of persecution that some countries have. But there's some countries where Christians have been brutally murdered, slaughtered, and we have not experienced that yet. But how can we relate this to present day? I'll never forget, uh, matter of fact, just talked to her today, one of the young ladies that I worked with there in Santa Rosa, it was about three of them. We started with three, and I started teaching them the Word of God, and and um, it started growing, and next thing you know, we baptized like 30 of their friends, and then... We had 50 new people in church as a result of it. And we had to split the small group into two groups. And 
20 in one group and 15 in the other. And, and she, you know, she's, she's on fire, you know, for God and living for God. And, and I'll, you know, I'll never forget when she really decided to give her all. She got an email not too long after she, about a month or so into it. And one of her closest friends said, you know, I don't really think this friendship is going to work. Matter of fact, we don't really connect anymore and really relate. You're all into this God stuff and Jesus and everything. And, and so I think it's just best that we don't talk anymore because there's, there's, we don't relate. And I remember her calling me just crying and sobbing. And, and, and so maybe it's not physically killing somebody, but we can be attacked verbally. We can be attacked by, attacked by an email. Somebody could send an email and, and, and tear, tear you down or, or come at you and destroy your character or gossip about you at work because you're, you know, you're this Jesus freak kind of thing, you know, or whatever it may be, somebody can attack you by isolating you, you know, just by rejection. That's an attack. Just, we don't, we don't want to include you. And you know, when somebody starts to do that, they're, they're practicing the religion of Cain, which is, which is your, your presence convicts me. And every time you come around, it reminds me of what, what I'm doing is inferior and insufficient. And I don't like it because you're reminding me that I'm wrong and I need to change. And so what, what is that religion? It started in the beginning. We're only in chapter four of the entire Bible and it's already here. Attacking the one that's doing it right. Attacking the one that's doing it right. Attacking that's doing it right. The last thing is a refusal to change your heart and find forgiveness, but instead remain alienated from God despite his efforts to steer you the right way. What happens is, is when Cain, everything comes out, and of course he kind of had a real, he was a jerk, to be honest with you, especially to God. When he said, am I my brother's keeper? He talking smack to God, what? Whoa. What, am I his babysitter? You know, you ever met people like that? You call them on the carpet, they start getting attitude with you, you know, start... Uh, you know, oh no, you didn't. That kind of thing, right? Why? It's a defense mechanism. Because you're being called on the carpet and you don't like it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to bust attitude to deflect the truth. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I his, am I his babysitter? You go ahead and find him. He says, well, yeah, I did. Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. So cursed you are from this day from the earth. And everything you touch is death. You'll never be able to put a seed in the ground and find and it will never produce fruit. What does Cain do? Can't take it, God. Help me. All right. Nobody's going to kill you. It's all right. Whoever touches you will be judged. What does Cain do? Takes off. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. And, and Cain departs from the presence of the Lord and goes to, the, to Nod in the east of Eden. The fourth and final thing is instead of finding forgiveness and repentance, instead of saying, instead of Cain falling on his face and saying, it's me, I'm a jerk, I'm a moron, I got angry, I killed him. And finding forgiveness... He gets attitude and just says, hey, could you just protect me and give me a good life? That'll be fine. And leaves the presence of God 
is more happy and satisfied to leave the presence of God than to say, God, I don't want to, I can't live without you. What, what is life without you? What is, that's just existence. There are people like that today. I don't want to change, but hey, just bless my family and help me to get a good job and, 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 you know, just keep me and don't let me get sick and, and, you know, I'll, I'll be a good person. I'll be cool. What kind of life is that? Not much of one. But that's Cain's religion. I'll do it my way. Okay, real quick. We don't got a lot of time. So let's go to Genesis chapter 6. This all right tonight? I just thought we should do a little teaching here tonight. As Pastor Brown said, you hop on one foot, you're not going to get very far. Whereas if you use both your feet, you can get somewhere very quickly and safely. So it's word and spirit. Word and spirit. So we need to have that time where we have, you know, getting into some teaching as well. Okay? Good? But I still feel the spirit and the presence of God here very strongly. How many of you feel that? All right. Verse 13. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower second decks. For behold, I will bring floodwaters Flood waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, uh, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Now, how many of you remember last week we talked about covenant? I want to re- repeat that just a little bit. That covenant relationship is such a powerful thing to understand. And I just want to reiterate a couple of things. We have a hard time with covenant relationship. Four out of five marriages failing in America. We say, I do until death do you part and all that kind of stuff. Six months later, two years later, man, I don't like this anymore. You make me mad. No, you're ugly. You stink. You don't do the toothpaste and roll it. And you should be stretching it flat. And I'm really mad at you and whatever. Right? Our commitment level is terrible. Let's just be honest. Okay, point is, God's not like us. When he makes a covenant, when he enters into covenant relationship, he's not going anywhere. Matter of fact, the only way you can ever be lost is if you deliberately turn your back on Jesus and say, I don't want you. And I am going to walk as far. And even then God will be merciful and try so many different ways to get your attention and help you. I mean, he, he's an amazing, when he, remember, covenant relationship with God is he's in, he's all in, right? So remember though, right here he uses the word covenant. So we're going to find out what it meant to be in covenant relationship with God as it relates to Noah. For uh, Adam and Eve, it was the death of the animal and and the skins. For Abraham, which we learned last week, was circumcision. 
For us, we understand that the circumcision made without hands is, very next verse, Colossians 2, buried with him in baptism. We understand our New Testament circumcision or New Testament covenant uh, uh, takes place when we are baptized into Christ. Incredible, incredible stuff. All right, real quick. So what we have here, let's read verse 22. Um, You're going to find out real quick that some of my favorite verses in the Bible are some of the most boring to most people. Here's one of my favorite ones. You ready? It's real exciting. Everybody's going to be running in two seconds. We're going to be swinging from chandelier to chandelier. You ready? Verse 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Woo! Hmm. Powerful. Hmm. That's heavy. Yeah, it's real. It's, it is, it is heavy. It says he did all that God commanded him. A double L. Not some, not part, all that God commanded him. What was all that God commanded him? What we read over here about the 300 cubits and the 50 cubits and the 30 cubits, he did everything. So in view of God's impending judgment, he provides grace with Noah. What if, and and here's the question. What if Noah says, uh, what if Noah didn't obey the instructions given by the Lord, but instead stopped short, perhaps thinking that he did enough, or that God would just save him despite his disobedience? We're going back to the Cain religion. The Cain religion is what? I did it my way. Right? I'm going to worship God my own way. I don't care what God says. I don't care what the Bible says. No, no, no. I'm going to do it my way. And now Noah is confronted with covenant relationship. Here's the deal, Noah. I'm, I'm about to destroy the entire earth. The only way out of here is the boat that I'm asking you to build. And we'll be in covenant relationship. This is the covenant relationship. Build this boat. And get in this boat. Right? And he gives him what? Specifics. 300 cubits. Do we honestly read over that so many times? Think about this. God straight busted specifics on Noah. Said 300. What? Okay, 300. What? Does it have to be 300? Can we do 259? Can we do 301? And what if Noah says, you know, I know what you said, but I'm going to practice the Cain religion. And to be honest with you, God, the truth is, seriously, I only have about seven other people helping me. And, uh, you know, my wife is not very proficient in building. And, and the fact is, is that I, you know, we don't have power tools. There's no electricity. We got this sorry mallet that I made out of like yak tongue and a branch from a hickamo tree. And you seriously want me to build a 300 cubits. Do you know how big 300 cubits is? Three football fields. What if he does that? What if he says, God will save me even though I build it only 250? Come on, it's not important. Is God a God of specifics? And when God does state things, is it important to do it? Or does he kind of just say it, not because he really wants you to do it that way, but he's kind of leaving it up to you to kind of guess? Or does God mean what he says when he says, do it this way? Okay, I got a little illustration for you guys, all right? Uh See what I got here. You guys getting bored already? Sorry. 
Give me. Okay. Brother with the brown top on. Don't know your name. Huh? Donnie. What do you see, Donnie? A what? A matchbook? What else do you see? You don't know? Seriously, after this service, what I want you to do, ask your wife to hook you up with a serious, like, All right, all right. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm sure. There's a point I'm trying to make. Ah, okay. What do you see, bro? Yes, you. Two color. What else do you see? Logo. What do you see? What do you see, uh, sister, right there? Yeah, in, be- in between the A and B. So, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick one of you. All right, here we go. Brother Donnie, you're, since you're the first one, you're not mad at me, all right? Still love me. What do you see now? Okay, what else do you see? Give me details, whatever you can tell me. Excellent. What do you see now? What do you see now? Of what? Okay. What are the words? Do you see? What do the words say? What do you see? When Adam and Eve were in the garden, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, here's Adam and Eve. Here's God. Now look, you see it real clearly, can't you? You see everything on that card? Pretty much everything? With time, man decided, man decided to what? Do things their own way. Sin. So, He's over here talking about free drinks. But all of a sudden, starts going like this, getting further and further away from God, sin and doing things their own way. Pretty soon we start making assumption, assumption, assumptions and guesses about God because we're so far away. And now it's about, yeah, maybe, maybe evolution is true. Maybe. Maybe we did come from an amoeba floating in the primordial soup of time. Over billions and billions of years, we stretched out and birthed little, you know, made little fins. Making assumptions on God when really if you just got closer to him, you could see it all for what it is. And the fact is, is God is very specific and, and it's detailed. 
But when we do things our own way, we start backing up and now things are not clear. And now we're making guesses. And now we're assuming. I mean, we serve a God of detail. The stars. If the earth is tilted one degree this way or that way, we freeze or burn up. He's a God of detail. Your eyes, your body, the blood flow, all that detail. God of detail. Okay, real quick. I don't got, I don't got too much time. So, so what if, what if Noah, okay, I got to give you this illustration. Look it up online. It's called Mysteries of the Bible Revealed or Secrets of the Bible Revealed. It's a DVD that you can watch. They did in fact find Noah's Ark. Okay. It was broken in two pieces. It was, one piece was like this on top of, uh, in Turkey somewhere on a mountain. The other part was sliding down. It was trapped in ice and, and, and then, uh, somebody had found it and they took like, uh, digital, uh, they measured it digitally or something. They had these lasers that you can measure it. They took it, the measurements back to a, a lab and built a boat. I don't know if it's called model to scale or scale to model. I, I don't know. Anyways, they built a smaller boat, put it in a wave machine and, and, and caused the waves and simulated waves that should have sunk the boat and it could not sink. It would not sink. What's the point? The reason God said 300 cubits is, is take Einstein at his best day and he can't even like come close to a, to a uh, tip of a fingernail in brilliance compared to God. So God knows how much water is in the sea. He knows the dimensions. He knows how much, how big the boat needs to be in order to last any kind of crazy wave and it would stand the storm. That's why God did it. Not to be particular, not to irritate our little control freak ways, but he did it because it works and he wants to save them. And so we look at scripture and go, well, why do we have to do that? And why does God say, because he knows exactly what he's doing. And when you do it God's way, it works. Real quick, real quick, real quick. You know how the story goes. It happens. The flood hits. They all die. And, and real quick story on that. And I got three verses to read and I'm done. Hear me out. I was, I was teaching this young lady. And uh, she goes, I don't know if I could serve a God that would destroy the world. When he comes back, nobody's going to hell. He would never do that. He's a God of love. Now, of course, when you talk about hell in this environment, folks, just give me like promise you promise give me five to seven more minutes i'm leaving and you won't have this like any kind of like long teaching hearing my voice for a long time please hear me listen she said she said you mean god's coming back and people are going to go to heaven and some are going to go to hell well i don't want to uh-uh god's not going to do that and, and that's the kind of world world we're living in. As soon as you say hell, and there's people going there immediately, even right now, I can sense it across this place. There's Some of us have a hard time with that. Dare you say that? It's not me. If I got shot right now in between the eyes and dropped dead, this Bible would still be saying what it's saying. The point is, is this. She said, I don't know if I want to serve a God that would do that. I said, give me a little time. Let me just show you something. Took her back to this story. Told her, showed her how God destroyed the world of the flood. Her eyes 
literally almost popped out of her head and she was about to walk out of the room. She said, I do not. Uh-uh. No. If that's the kind of God this is, I want nothing to do with him. She said, she, she said I said, hold on, sit. Sit. Listen, give me a few more seconds. Let me just show you something. And we're, and we're living in that world. How many of you ever heard that? If God is going if this God is going to send people to hell, I don't want anything to do with it. I got a hard time with it. I believe he's a God of love. He would never do that to anybody. How many of you ever wrestled with those kinds of arguments and thoughts? Watch this. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Real quick, I'm almost done. 2 Peter 2 5. It says, And did not and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So we're going to put the puzzle together. Keep that little piece of the puzzle in mind. Don't be too upset with me right now. Don't don't get so angry you want to throw your Bible at me. Just hold on. Give me a few more seconds. Number one piece, he's, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Do you got that piece? Okay, keep that in your brain. Let's go to another, let's go to another piece. Hebrews 11, 7. I'm trying to do this real fast. Hebrews 11, 7, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of, of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Of course, he, by his obedience, he was saved by, by, by the world's disobedience. They were condemned and that's a tragic truth, but it's, it's still true. Last piece of the puzzle. Are you ready folks? We can get this on the, on the on the wall. I don't know if we can. This is this is powerful right here. First Peter three. First Peter three eighteen. Are you ready? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Verse nineteen. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Verse twenty who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. And I said, stop. She was reading. I said, stop. Go back. She said, what? Read it again. When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, you mean God waited? See, we have the mentality that when God said build the ark and, and then all of a sudden he destroyed the whole earth with a flood, how dare he? So I asked her, how long do you think God waited? And then I said, let's put it together. Let's put it all together. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was not like got this secret message about building a boat and he would be saved and kept it to himself. Listen, listen, listen. I said, how long? And she's sitting there angry, mad. I said, how long do you think it took? A year. Five years. I said, 120 years. And every day, there's Noah 
Guys, guys, I know you're laughing. I know you're mocking me because I'm building a boat and, 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 and you've never seen water come from the sky. But God told me that a flood is coming. And, and if you don't get in this boat, you're going to be lost. And every day for 120 years, he said, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Now let me ask you a question. If after 120 years you're hearing the message of salvation and you decide, I don't want to do it anyways, I'm not, I don't want to get in the boat and I don't want to listen to what you have to say, whose fault is it? Hundred and twenty years. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. And we're living in a time and a day and a generation where there's so much preaching. There's Bibles you can buy for a dollar. And there's preachers on TV. There's preachers on the radio. There's preachers here. There's a preacher here every Sunday. And there and, and somebody's saying, Hey, hey, Jesus is the way. Hey, get right. Hey, get right. And this whole world is like, ah. <laughs> sure. Sure. She stopped. She kept coming to Bible study for another, another six weeks or so before I left. And then I finished reading and I closed with this. In which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There it is again, that water. Salvation through water. There is also an anti-type which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of good conscience toward God. Folks, we're dealing with some topics and questions. You need to know. You need to know how to be able to deal with that and not be swayed. There's answers. God's given us time. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's, let's just thank the Lord this evening. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we pray, Lord, that you would solidify our faith. Cause us, God, to know you like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Let's all stand real quick. And before we dismiss, uh, well, I don't know. you have something? Why don't we dismiss this way? Why don't we greet about three to four people? And just give him a big hug and say, you know what? It's so good to see you here tonight. Love you. And tell him I'm going to see you Sunday.